the Examined Life podcast. Two topic for today is your work, I guess, obligations uh, versus vocations. You know, is it worth thinking about finding a passion? Is it worth uh, considering doing what you love to do? Or should you just work and make money? You know, work and make money. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Alan take a lead here to say that uh, Alan's in the process now of maybe quitting his job and then becoming something else. So how does it feel, Alan, to totally wipe away your identity and, and uh, you know, become nah. something something else in a metamorphosis of change? Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting, interesting question. Well, we went through this a couple of weeks ago and I was kind of, I had this kind of breakdown at work. So I had like a whole week off work thinking that, you know, um, I, I've made the cut, I've split, I'm going my own way. And I kind of, you know, had this euphoric sense of anything's possible. So I was kind of going in this particular direction where I thought I could sort of re recreate myself. And then as time went on, I kind of realized that it wasn't so easy. And I was reading some Cicero and Cicero said something about, you know, when you change things, sometimes it's better to sort of change it bit by bit. It's like untying a complicated knot. You should untie the knot carefully, slowly, bit by bit. Don't just like rip it apart or don't cut it. So I kind of, I've come to that point where I'm trying to slowly untie this knot to try and figure out where I am and, you know, go, go from there pretty much. So, yeah. So for our listeners, like your current occupation is? Uh, skilled laborer, sort of laying floor coverings, carpet, that kind of stuff. Highly uh, labor intensive. Uh, again, the, the problem is uh, if I've got help, I can handle it. But if I have no help, it's pretty much an impossible job, which has to be done anyway. As I've said before, it's like I've had a roll of carpet where I've tried to lift it. I've, I've, I've given it a test lift and I went, shit, I can't, I can't lift that. And I still, I still had to lift that carpet anyway. And I, I have that, you know, like once a month at least. Ima- imagine picking up something and going, shit, I can't fucking lift that. But then going, got to do it anyway. You know, if I don't do it, somebody else will. So that's kind of my dilemma. So, yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. horrible. But what do you want to do with your life? What do you really want to do? Well, Where are your passions? The, what do you- the, the, pro- the problem with that is there's, there's plenty of pros and plenty of cons. So... I can listen to headphones all day. I can listen to audiobooks. I can listen to history, philosophy, any particular kind of topic. So I can educate myself all day. I meet people every day. I learn something every day. I keep fit. Um, I make some good money doing it. So, yeah, what, what I want to do with my life, that's the problem because um, I'm very frenetic and I sort of change my mindset from day to day. Every day is a different day, so. Today, I want to be a historian, tomorrow a philosopher, the next day an engineer, the next day a neurosurgeon, God knows, you know, so uh, a dilettante, pretty much. <laughs> well, let me tap into the wisdom of John. I don't know, John, yeah. what what do you think? Well, how, if, if you were to give Alan advice, if, if imagine, I would imagine that if Alan was your son or someone that you deeply cared about and you wanted to put that person in the right direction... You know, what advice can you give to someone about um, the metaphor metamorphosis of change? Well, you know, first of all, I, I sympathize with the hard labor. I've done some of that myself. And, it, um, you know, 
there's there's the money that attracts us to, to specific work, right? And uh, we've got to pay the bills. We've got to keep the roof over our head. But if I was going to give advice, I would, I mean, I don't really want to give advice, but if I was, I would say you got to get out of that job because that job is leading to physical, uh, well, turmoil, you know, if, if you're you're pushing yourself beyond the limits, right? Like yeah. you can't pick yeah. this up, but you have to pick this up because you've got to lay this carpet and you've got to make ends meet. Um, I know possible. So that complicates things, but I would say, you know, um, I'd say there's a time and place where you just got to take the leap. But like I said, it's more complicated when you have a kid, you can't just leap. Um, I, you know, mortgage. one year, nine months. And, uh, you know, I've been able to make the leap throughout my life, you know, and I, mm. not like Alan in the sense that I change all the time. You know, I've, I've been an accountant, I've been an electrician. I've had a lot of jobs that um, mm. me to really live very, very comfortably. And, and to reference, go back to what Steve said about, you know, is money important? Do you just keep the job for the money? Well, I couldn't do that because I'm a lot like Alan. I need to change and I need to grow. And like him, I can read books all day long, learn new things. And that's why I chose teaching, you know, because it's the only job, which is, a you know, <laughs> working for someone else um, where I can kind of use this passion of uh, mm. wanting to learn, wanting to continually grow. Um, but there are limits to that, of course, right? mm. for someone. And uh, yeah, but I just say you got to get out of that job um, at some point. Um, mm. It's better, I think. Um, um, and just find anything you like, you know, um, anything else that, 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 that won't break your back and that will allow uh -huh. you yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess there's, I guess there's two things, right? In Colombia, there's an expression, tienes que matar la vaca, like you have to kill the cow. And there's a, a story, like an analogy about the a village relying on a cow to be um, to, sustainable because they're milking this cow, but they're not really doing much else. And then mm. a stranger comes into the village and then slaughters the cow. Everybody's upset. Uh, and then they realize, oh, shit, well, we haven't got this cow anymore. We better actually start doing something, right? And then, so they, you know, they start um, growing crops and, and they become much more independent. And then the stranger comes back and they're actually doing much better than they were before, even though they were so angry. So there's the, the mm. analogy of, you know, we yeah. developed a dependence on something. Um, and that might not yeah. always be the best for us, but we do it because that's what we know and it's within our comfort zone. But I don't really yeah. think that's the, the issue. I, I, like, I don't think that's anything wrong with being in your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I think the real, like, the, the question I would ask yourself is like, who do you have to become to reach your full potential as a human being? You know, and if, if you ask yourself that question and you want to go on that path, um, what would you have to do to start um, creating yourself and forging your identity in that way? Uh, you know, and is that even something that you'd be interested in? Or, you know, like, so that's my question. I'd like to give that to John. Give me some ideas. Um, well, you know, that's a, it's a huge task, but just like any mountain we climb, it's one step at a time. And um, mm. I believe that the steps are all based on the choices we make. So, um uh, Stephen's question: uh, What 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 do you have to do? Well, it's I think it's just assessing the choices that we're making and whether mm. the 
choices are leading us to actually where we want to be, right? Or who we want to be, you know? Um, I can say a lot about me, you know, sometimes I watch Netflix too much. Is Netflix helping me achieve my dream? Most no. definitely not. Um, no. Yeah, it's a waste of my time, um, for sure, as are other habits that I have. Um, so I would just say that to make choices based on that dream, to find that North Star, and even if it's not very clear, if it's a little bit fuzzy, still find it, and then assess the choices that need to be made to, um, I guess, reach that destination, you know, once a time. Just, just to be the devil's advocate for, for Netflix, sometimes you need some time out. Sometimes, you know, you, you work so hard for so long, sometimes it's okay just to chill out for a day or two just to, to watch Netflix or to, to do whatever. Yeah, so nothing against that, but I think I, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, sometimes you, you should be doing work or doing something which you should be doing, but instead you find yourself distracted by, well, most people these days, social media or Netflix or whatever the hell else is involved. So the, I think the, the goal should be, you know, in your main focus, but be aware that sometimes you do need downtime where you can go and recover from yeah, hard work. Absolutely. You know, and just to respond to that, I agree with you. I think Netflix might've been a bad example, but it was just one of many I have. Um, I, mm. I, uh, Stephen, I'm a, I got a degree in creative writing and um, anthropology. And so uh, stories are my, mm. I love stories. So to use Netflix as an example is probably the wrong example for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, like social media. Um, I used to mm. spend time on Facebook. I don't know. Um, but mm. I think one place I'm wasting time, my time is the news, right? I, I'm, yeah. I'm a, assessing the news of the United States because that's where I'm from. Yeah. It's a pretty drastic story, but I find myself wasting a lot of time um, doing that, you know, and I do that pretty regularly. I'd say at yeah. least four or five hours a week, you know, so mm. you do with that four or five hours a week, what could I do? Well, I watch Netflix I, because I like it. I, I try to learn Spanish, right? So I can justify it as long as it's in Spanish, I'm good. Uh, that's different that's different yeah so that's that's kind of i that's how i justify it to myself but if that's i was multitasking yeah you know like i i don't know i don't but i do feel like it's you know it's it's such a passive way of learning spanish that you don't um but we digress yeah we we digress let me ask you let, this me, let me let me let me digress a little bit further again but i think right, i think the new i think the news is just as bad as netflix because it's just another form of you know information uh entertainment it's just another, you know, uh, a product there being sold to you to keep you, you know, fixed and on the screen to watch it. So at the end of the day, you know, if something's really important, keep it, keep abreast of the news. But I don't think it's a good thing to constantly be sitting there waiting, you know, scrolling, waiting for the news to come up every day. It's just another form of entertainment. Well, yeah, it becomes a distraction. Like, why are you really mm. watching Netflix? Yeah. Like, are you watching it because you yeah. deserve downtime and you've earned that? Yeah. And, so, you know, yeah. or are you watching it because you fucking hate your life and, um, yeah. you know, your, your, your missus is, is on your ass? You know, or yeah. are you just doing it because you don't have anything else to do or the, the discipline not mm. to invest into something else? Like, um, but the news is a funny one as well because, you know, they – it's it's a it's a distraction entertainment you know it's always about eliciting emotions mm. and 
Yeah, it feels like a a sense of manipulation. I feel I don't watch yeah. I, I watch the news again in Colombia in Spanish because of some great vocabulary I come across. But if mm. if I was in Australia, I would not watch it. You're learning because, from it. Yeah. Yeah, because I just feel like it doesn't really add value. Um, what, what do you like, think of this? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, what do you think of this idea that everybody has um, like a vocation or everybody inside has this drive to experience something or everybody has, um, you know, maybe a, a, like a gift um, and people should chase that. Is that something that is innate in us, in our uh, gifts and ability? Or do you think that's just something that we've told ourselves to justify uh, us experiencing certain things? Tabula rasa. <laughs> I don't uh I think you find the gift. I don't know. I don't know. But a tabula rasa find... theory. Mm. Mm. Blank, like blank explain slate. to me the, the yeah, the blank slate, but that's like um mm. there, there's no pre so there's no programming, right? If, yep, good. Please. If you have a gift, that means that it's born within you. So maybe, yeah, you might be naturally strong, you maybe naturally have a good memory or something, but I don't think it naturally um leads you to any particular vocation or education or uh particular enjoyment in a pastime i think that's that's all a, a posteriori so like, like after after birth something you sort of gain from experience mm. so you don't believe that like, that for example like a writer is kind of born like with this innate burning desire to write um or for example mm. like a, a, a fighter pilot wants to be a pilot you know i want to be a pilot daddy you know or is it just something that is it more conditioning and social conditioning and and environment that kind of shapes us and we kind of fall in love with different things i'd say it's a bit of both i'd say maybe you have a bit more aptitude or a bit more physical ability to do something but i think it's um you know the the nurture the people around you who have kind of inspired you who have given you the options and it goes back to i think it was the schopenhauer thing it's like you know you can you can you can want something, but you can't, you know, create what you want. So you've only got limited options. It's kind of like this predeterminism kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Let me, can I ask John, can I ask you what, um, how did your passion for teaching develop? You know, like when did you decide you wanted to be a teacher and have you had any other jobs that you felt the same amount of passion for like teaching? Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I haven't had uh, uh, other jobs that I felt passionate about. Um, teaching is it's it's a it's very um, complex, uh, I guess, career right or job choice. Um, but I've had I've had um, you know many other jobs, and I've never been as excited um, to continue to grow in that area, right? Of the expertise. Um, definitely not. Um, but uh, I guess I first experienced it. I remember wanting to be a teacher a long time. Like, I think I was in my mid, late teens, late teens, I think 16 to 18, somewhere in there I started. So I wanted to write books, okay? I wanted to write stories that early in life. And it was based on dreams that I had. I had these amazing dreams, which I still have, um, but not as much as when I was younger. So I wanted to write. I remember being inspired by certain teachers, right? Um, and so uh, by the age of 18, I wanted to be a teacher that wrote, but I never did that. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So, so to go back to what Steve said before, uh, how do you think you found that passion? Was that nature or nurture? Did you, was that inbuilt or did you, did someone inspire you? Did you feel like you had to 
fulfill an, an ego kind of perspective? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think it was nurtured. You know, I think it's mm. the experiences that I've had in my life have led me, um, pushed me in certain directions for sure. Mm. Um, uh, do I think some people can be born, you know, with this, this natural um, drive to a certain area? It's possible. Mm. Absolutely. But yeah. I believe in the power of the nurture, the experiences we have, the choices we make. Um, and I think that's what it was, um, was um, based on just my experiences. I had a good teacher. I was a bad student, um, not academically, but behaviorally. And uh, there are teachers that provided me with um, this, this, well, this guidance basically right they accepted me and they kept pushing me and they believed in me I didn't have uh, a father in my home so maybe I think this is all nurture Alan to be honest I think it's all nurture because because of that these teachers that came out and stood by my side and guided me in the right direction um, like father fingers and they inspired me right they totally inspired me and then once I did improve I was like and teachers have power, right? They have this influence and they can make your life better or worse, make it worse too. Um, but I was fortunate. So that's what I think, Alan, it was just pure nurture. My experiences um, with the uh, academic education system and the people that I met that pushed me to become a teacher. But in that case also, you said that you've had several careers since then. It took you a long oh, yes. time to sort of to reach that potential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't really understand my passion for education, at that time, mm. which has grown over the years. And that's what uh, eventually drove me to become a teacher was I want to work with information. I want to uh, teach people how to find information to uh, sift through it and to make uh, realities of their own. Um, but yeah, it took a long time. I had that feeling. I think it took... 17 years okay. teacher after high school so so two two careers after high school and then you decided to become a teacher yeah um, uh, so no I just uh, basically like I said I started chasing money and I always knew that uh, okay wasn't the best paying job yeah yeah um, Again, back to nurture, I wanted to have this material upbringing. I wanted to be able to afford things. And I knew that there were certain jobs that I could take uh, that would provide. Like I said, like I was an accountant. Um, I, I love tourism, but I was an accountant and then an electrician. I thought that was it. That was the job I was going to keep forever because good money. Uh, very, very good money, especially in Alaska, where I'm from. Um, but yeah, the money never made me happy. Um, so I had to read. So I can, I can relate to that in the sense of like, when you're a young person and you don't have any power and you don't have any money, like tracing a vocation is just, it's bullshit. Like it's not really an option. Like, or it's, it's not in the forefront of your mind because what's important is, is actually having money so that you can do things and, and not feel the weight. It's like not having money. It feels like being, you're being suffocated and there's not enough mm. air. You know, and then having money, it feels like you can breathe all the time and it's not really a big deal. And if you need something, you can get it. Um, but when you're a young person, like it's those, you know, it's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like if you're not, if you're not reaching your basic 
basic needs and to establish a little bit of dignity and integrity. Um, why, why would you give a shit about a job that is, is calling your heart or a vocation when you can get paid three times as much and do something that you might not like, but something that is going to give you the things that you've never had and you've always wanted and you, and your integrity. I, I sort of come from a situation where throughout my twenties, I was more of like a bohemian where, you know, sort of hedonistic, artistic. I didn't really care about work. Just had a crappy job where I could make 500 bucks a week. It wasn't, I wasn't really worried about life at all. Didn't project into the future. Never thought about sort of career, sort of family, no, no potential goals at all. And it wasn't until I was like 28, 29 that I come across this particular job that I have now and that the pay was just so great that like I, I couldn't sort of give it up. So um, as soon as I fell into that, I've kind of been trapped there ever since. And now my mind's kind of dragging me back to this bohemian state that I was in in my 20s where I kind of want to live this free life of just perpetual education and learning. And um, I'm, I'm in this crossroads because I'm not sure if I want to be a teacher like you guys because I don't have the passion to teach people, which I understand teaching is the best form of learning. But um, I'm a little bit selfish in the sense that I just want to have it all my own way. You know, if someone could just pay me to read books all day, that'd be fucking great, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really like, it's, uh, it's very ironic of what you said, is that before mm. you were earning a lot less money and then you, mm. um, you were free and then you kind of had less stress and you, now you're making a lot more money and then it's like, then you're feeling trapped earning more money. It's, it's yeah. kind of, that's 100%. a situational irony for me, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah, well, Alan, there's always editing. Maybe, maybe if you want to read for, a, you know, if that's the next step to continue your uh, personal growth and your education, um, to to just read. If that's something you truly enjoy, there is always editing. You can, um, mm. and, and that's something you can do online too. So I would just maybe jot that down, think about it, um, because mm. the pay is pretty good. I don't know how much you make. I don't really it's not important, but it's definitely can be sustaining. It can definitely yeah, be sustaining. Yeah, yeah. And if you enjoy reading, man, it's a great option. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Any well, advice is um, always welcome. What about the idea? I don't know. This is what, if I'm going to give my opinion to someone like a student, if they ask me, what should I do? I would say, forget about what your fucking parents think. Forget about what society mm. thinks. Think mm. about, look within and think about what do you want to experience as a person on this earth? What do you crave to do? What do you, what do you want to, um, what are you attracted to? What do you want to experience? But hold on here. Sorry, Alan. But, but I just, I just uh, let me finish this and then you tell me what you think. But, I, but I, to, for that belief to be sustainable, it's almost like you have to believe in the, the, the possibility that your body or your soul or your spirituality or, you know, religiously is that you're being pulled towards something and that's out of your control. Um, mm. And it's just the process of, of, well, it's, it, I would frame it as the process of spiritual growth and development. It's, and it's mm. like being, when you're young, you're attracted to stupid shit, right? It's like, mm. oh, I'm going to smoke weed, I'm going to smoke cigarettes or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. But then you start to grow out of it. But like, if you don't do the stupid shit, you can't mm. move through and go up the, the chain or up the ladder and go through the more, let's say, evolved things. So I don't know if that's true. But that's what I generally tell my students because I feel like we we should 
honor those feelings so that we can like as a way of an organic way of growing i don't know that's 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 i don't know i think i think we all have to go through the stupid shit as you said i've I've spoken to plenty of old people and they you know they're they're telling me the the meaning of life or the the experiences of life that they've had and they they, they look at me and they say you know i could give you all the answers now but you're never going to understand them until you get to the point where you're ready to understand it your eyes aren't open until you get to the point where you're ready to understand it. So what I was going to interrupt you before kind of, you kind of negated me because your answer was as, as I, I always go back to, um, I, I think you should do what you, you do naturally. So for me, you know, I play guitar, you know, I come home every day, I'll sit down, I'll play guitar. So for me, that's a natural thing. But if you tell me to go and find something that I want to go do, like has happened to me before, someone said, I've got to figure out what I want to do for a career. So I thought, I like comics. I might become a comic book artist. So I, I convinced myself I'll be an artist and I never sort of put two and two together. didn't realize the fact that I didn't enjoy drawing. I enjoyed the final process at the end of the day. Hey, that's a great drawing. I, I like that. But I just hated sitting there for the 10, 12 hours that it took me to do it. And my mind couldn't click to realize that I was really suffering in the process of it. So my advice would be, if, if you've got a clear mind and, and you're kind of wise or have the wisdom to understand what you're thinking about, it's like, do what you're already doing, you know, find something that you have a passion for. And if you're doing it already, you know, keep on doing it, do it to its utmost. Logical conclusion. Yeah. And uh, uh, Stephen said, what would you like if you had a, a student or somebody that, um, asked you what they should do um, or how to do it. Um, and Stephen said, don't, you know, your parents are going to want one thing, but that's mm. not what you want. And I think that's so important um, for them to find their own passion and yes, to, to pursue their own goals and dreams. Because I don't know if you guys know who Shah Rukh Khan is, but he's the, uh, he's the Indian guy that is the head of Bollywood, New Bollywood. And he's Indian. And his parents wanted him to be a doctor, right? Of course, a doctor, you make good money, you got healthcare. Uh, it's a great job with a ton of benefits. So he, he pursued that for a while and got extremely depressed by the process. He knew inside that that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to act. And of course, you know, people that want to act, they get laughed at like, ah, it's not a job you can really, it's not easy to get. Long story short, he dropped out and he basically uh, went against his parents' rules, um, kicked out of the house for doing so. Um, and he pursued um, acting and 45, I don't know how long his career is, but 45 years later, he's, he is wealthy. Now I don't wanna go back to money cause it's not about money, but he's extremely wealthy because he did what he wanted to do because that was his passion. And that's where all of his drive, all of his emotion, all of his energy went into this one thing he really wanted to do. And out of that came success. So one more thing, um, Alan, like uh, the comic book writing, right? The 12 hours. One thing I would tell that student, Stephen, is that uh, no matter what your passion is, it's gonna be hard work. Always. That is the only. But you can enjoy it, though. 
Absolutely. But I, but I think to an extent, you know, there, there's going to be moments where you don't enjoy the process, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I'm sure that Shah Rukh Khan had to, you know, go through a lot of like um, auditions and failed a lot um, and had to deal with the stress, you know, the, 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 the feeling that I'm not good enough. Uh, that so I, that process is not fun. I don't think for actors to go through all these auditions and be told no, 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 and you work so hard and you memorize the script and then no, no, you're not good enough, you know. So people are going to tell you on your journey to your passion in life. People are going to tell you you're not good enough. J.K. Rowling, she wrote for ten years. You know how many times she was rejected for Harry Potter? It's too many times. Too many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And here she is today, one of the most successful authors of our time. Um, that's because she didn't listen to anybody. She didn't listen to her parents. She didn't listen to the critics, uh, to the people that she was submitting her uh, work to. She just kept believing. So perseverance and hard work are the mandatory ingredients mm. for passion, I believe, no matter what your passion is. Yes, Alan, I think that you should enjoy the majority of the process. Absolutely. I think that's so mm. important for your happiness uh, because creativity, well, creativity can come from sadness and, you know, other emotions. But your mind is clearest when you are in a, in a, in a calm state, right? It is clearest. It is, uh, I think, the most brilliant ideas. Um, maybe I'm going to regret saying this, but... Uh, the most brilliant ideas come out of like peace and so, you know, um, calm, you know, but again, I'm not agree. No, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I can talk a lot about how parents have social expectations. I think um, all of us mm-hmm. have experienced that at some level, but it's ultimately like when I talk to my students or, you know, even adults, it's kind of like your parents just want the best for you. You know, they just have an idea of they want you to be successful. They don't want you to get burnt. They don't want you to be a struggling actor. They want you to be a successful doctor because it's a guaranteed way of uh, having status, creating money, having security and and establishing a very um, maybe easy or, or successful life. And they want you to be successful. Um, however, what I've felt is a lot of parents, they give you the traditional their map of success. And their map of success would work for them or maybe what what they see is working in society and they say you know here is a map it worked for us you know take this map it's the it's the it's the treasure you know follow the steps and you'll be like us successful mm. but, the, but the problem is now the map is outdated and there's um we're living in a different zeitgeist a different world a different culture community and all of that um you know, I don't know. I think that was great advice. What you said, John, is that, you know, the, the process, it's not about the goal, like reading James Clear Atomic Habits. Um, you know, it's not about the goal. It's about, you know, are you, do you love doing the process? Do you love having the habits? Do you love, you know, if, if I'm a writer, do I write? You know, I'm a, I'm a poet. Do I write poetry? If I, you know, am I a musician? Do I actually play guitar? You know, and if the answer is yes, then you probably are. Um, but I, I definitely agree with, the, the process and the systems in, in place sometimes require discipline because, you know, like I go to the gym five days a week usually, and there's most days I don't want to go to the gym. I've lost my passion for the gym, um, but I do it because I, the process when I'm there, it becomes enjoyable at a level, but it's, it's kind of like, I know that every day that while I'm doing it, I'm going to be just that little bit better, or at least maintain a level of fitness or health. 
So, so I don't know. Why, why did you lose the passion? Um, because actually, I, because of the, the, the goal of fitness that I have in my mind is no longer obtainable. So I guess that fits very well into exactly what I'm saying. So what is that like goal? the goal is to, to look aesthetically pleasing or, you know, physically okay. fit. Okay. You know, when yeah. I was young, that's what I wanted. I wanted to have no, you know, six, yeah, six pack. And now I don't really care about that, but it's kind yeah. of like, yeah. I've yeah. lost the, the goal or, or my, I don't have the goal of, you know, being really that's, strong. Or, mm. That's kind of like wisdom. Though. That's kind of the thing that I'm suffering with at the moment. It's sort of almost like, you know, as we're talking about, I'm pursuing something for the future, but is, is what I'm really pursuing something that I really want to, to pursue or is it a, you know uh, uh, a mirage am i really pursuing what i really want or is it is it a trick is it something that someone's put in my head well i, I think that do, is do, a, do i really want to get a six pack or do i really enjoy just doing push-ups you know what's the difference well I, again like to bring this up again and we we're talking about this yesterday john is that i feel like our brain is very manipulative and it try it works against us in lots of ways so you know your brain says if i get the six pack you know, and I'm ripped, you know, I'm going to be sexually attractive. I'm going to have access to a lot more women. And your brain immediately fills in all these gaps and then ego. it's told you a story and then, you know, it's, it's boosted your ego, nurtured the ego. Your brain kind of fills in the gaps for you, right? But it's like, my problem. I remember actually when I got to a point where I got like really lean and I was, I went to like, um, I went to this, I was learning salsa in Australia and I was, I went to this um, uh, salsa class. And I was like looking at all the girls and I was like wearing a pretty tight shirt. I'm like, why aren't all the girls looking at me? I'm like totally ripped off. <laughs> and, I, and I realized it just didn't make any difference. I didn't really care. They didn't care about that. Yeah, yeah. So like I was, I was shattered. Um, but, you know, it's, that's, it's the thing is that you, I don't know if you can trust, you know, what can you trust? If you can't trust your brain, what can you trust? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, the problem with the manipulative brain is that it has more than one identity, right? It's bipolar, right? So your mm -hmm. brain makes you to go in one direction for certain goals, certain uh, thoughts and ideas, like this is what I want. And then um, it can keep you on that path. But the bipolar side of it is that it's going to creep back up. It's gonna, you're going to hear the whispers. It's going to whisper to itself that this is not what I actually want to do. So this is where a lot of unhappiness comes from, right? We, we, we chase, we chase what we want through our ego or through, um, you know, ideas that have been placed in our head, like what we should do. Um, um, but the brain is a very powerful thing and it is manipulative, but um, you got, it goes back to saying you got to do what you what you enjoy the most. Now, here's the thing is that life is like a river, right, Steve? Like it's, there's bends around every corner. So what direction we're going now is not going to be the same direction downstream. And I think that we need to embrace that. I think that, you know, like I could reflect on my past and be like, oh, I wasted so much time, you know, doing the electrician work, doing the waiting tables, doing the accounting, what a waste of time. But that is that is dangerous to think that way because the, all those experiences made me who I am. I have an understanding of things that I wouldn't have without those experiences. So I think that you got to just go back to the metaphor or analogy. You got to go with the flow, man. You got to take the corners. And when, when the bend turns in an opposite direction, just be fluid. Just, you know, be thankful for the experiences of the past. But we're in the moment now. And what direction is our brain telling us to go now? 
Well, I think that you kind of need to follow your brain at times. But there's maybe no absolute destination, right? Maybe the compass has always been broken. Maybe uh, we need to do something for 10 years and then do something else. And this is what starts to narrow down what our true passion may be, right? We come to these, these bends and we start to realize, oh, and it opens up into say, perhaps uh, a delta and into a bay. You find where you truly belong, but it's gonna take a lot of turns, I think, a lot of twists and turns. And if we perceive those turns as problematic or as you know destructive or a waste of time, well, that is just consuming the energy that we need to maintain. Yeah, um, no. No, yeah me, well, me and Steve are very firm on the concept of not uh, like pointing out anything as a negative concept, never sort of say something is a bad thing. I should have done this years ago. No, you shouldn't have because, you know, you weren't ready for it back then. You're ready for it now. You know, if you've got a negative thought, just reframe it, make it a positive thought, try and make it productive. So it helps you get through the day and helps you complete whatever task you need to complete. Well, the alternative, yeah, you're right. The alternative is to live in that guilt, you know, and to live in resentment or live in, in, in disappointment, you know, and think, fuck, I've wasted, you know, like I think to myself all the time, I've wasted 10 years in valuation mm-hmm. doing something like, you know, wrapping tape measures around houses. But as you said, John, I feel like the way that I reframe it, and I think it's important, is that was part of my growth to become a teacher. And if I hadn't experienced that in a job with such isolation, uh, that I wouldn't appreciate where I'm now to be able to work with kids and to um, and to work with humans. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, so that the that's part of our growth. But I I believe I do believe that you have to listen to your head. But I don't know. I would argue, and I again, if I was giving advice to my students, because I can't be really philosophical with my students. I've got to give them a direct answer. Um, because if I if I kind of give them like a couple of ideas, um, they don't like that. They like to hear uh, like certainty. Um, I, I would say that, yeah, I would say that when you're, when you're making decisions from your gut feeling and from your heart, and you've really thought about it, who you are, it's connected to your identity that every night you can go to sleep and go, I did the best that I could do. And then that gives you peace and allows you to grow with those decisions as you constantly change and go through the bends or the river. Right. But if you're operating out of the brain, out of the logic, and it's like, logically, I need money, but I forget, forget about my passion for art and, you know, and for music, then it's kind of like you have this internal conflict because, you know, what your heart wants and what your brain wants is two different things. So I think the only way to really grow is to listen to your heart, is to listen to your, your emotions and then make decisions based on that and then allow yourself to learn, grow, reflect, change and then constantly grow and then develop. That's what I would say to my students. Mm. I have a problem where I feel like, again, my mind is tricking myself into believing that's what I want. I'm, I'm not really sure, you know, there's this like Cartesian demon telling me this is, this is what I really want, but is that really the thing that I want? Is it society, you know, driving, you know, the concept of um, education and going to school isn't, isn't to really educate you. It's, it's to, to, to form you into a, a citizen that goes to work every day, nine to five, buys a house, has kids and, you know, re- repeat the cycle kind of thing. So it's not, it's not teaching you to think for yourself and sort of create your own life. It's just becoming part of the whole. 
there's there's two so, things that there's two things there that you said like it's there's the pushes and pulls of of society and our experiences um but there's also and that, that's that's a big topic there just to unpack but there's there's also um it's also the fact that as john mentioned is that what you want now is never really is it, it's, it's kind of temporary it's you're never mm. going to want the same thing now that you want in in five years or five minutes or five seconds or five years right it's, it's going to yeah. it's going to change so i think we need to be at peace with that um otherwise mm. it's kind of like you we have to know that our our desires and our um our dreams and our, our experience our, they change with our experiences um but I think if you if you're aware of that to say okay if I get this tattoo of this girl on my chest and we break up tomorrow and I don't want that tattoo anymore that's part of life. But you know like if you if then if you're aware of the pushes and pulls of, of your own internal um, ethical compass or your own inter, your internal chaos and then you're aware of the external chaos chaos and you can navigate that. I think that's the only mm-hmm. way to find the, the giving the compass direction because. You know, I think that's a great metaphor that you mentioned, John. If your compass, if your ethical compass doesn't have direction, it's like, well, where the fuck do you go? Like, what do you, what do you strive towards? You know, like, what do you, what do you reach for? It's like, it's like you need, you need to know yourself before you can um, even have that because it's like, I value money, so I'm going to chase money. All right, you decide that, go for that. Or you know, I value uh, doing something altruistic or philanthropic because I decide that. That's where I'm based at. That's what I'm. That's where I'm going to point my compass. At. Do you see what I'm saying here? Is that your identity is just as important of deciding, trying to figure this out as well as all the chaos internally and externally. Yeah, I'm finished. You're making me think like, um, do, do I sort of perceive who I am by the way that I behave? It's like, well, you they, tell me. Are they the options? Are they the options that I have to choose from? You know, what, what do I naturally gravitate, gravitate to? Or, you know, where's my, my natural level? Well, where do you get an idea or like a concept of your identity? Like, you know, mm-hmm. where does your identity come from? You know, I, again, if I was talking to my students, I would say your identity is formed primarily and the foundation is formed by your ethics. Which is a basis of your culture. Well, they can be, but, you know, you're a vegan, people around you eat meat, you don't eat meat, you don't kill animals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, are, you a, are you as a grown man, how much of the choice. push, right, you were, there's pushes and pulls, right? So I don't know. My, my argument is that it feels like, you know, your identity grounds who you are. Your identity is connected to your ethics, right? And then it, then we have, you know, I want to be this person because I believe in this. And then within that framework and that matrix, I think once you have that, then you can decide what you want to strive and go for in this world because you've got that as a base, right? If your identity is you're a fucking scumbag and you just want to rip people off um, and make money through real estate like people do right and that's fine um you're, you're a salesman and you're a dirty salesman not just a salesman and you're cool with that yeah I'll take my metaphorical hat off to you right that's that's the person you want to be and that's who you want to live that's how you want to live your life and you want to deal with all the natural consequences positive and negative that come with that that's fine that's your life but you know i would i would say to again i would say to my students is choose carefully who you want to be in the world because that okay. determines your experience, determines how you interact with others. It determines the quality of your experiences and the quality of your relationships. Okay, so I have a question for John. So you're, you're, you're a teacher? Yeah. What kind of teacher are you? What do you teach? 
Uh, I teach English currently. Yeah, English. like English literature, drama, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's a mix of all you know the, the creative uh, writing and reading texts as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah, comprehension. Okay, so uh, where do you see yourself in the future? Like, obviously, you don't see yourself as static, as stopped. Now you, you haven't found your end goal. Where do you see yourself in the next 10, 20 years time? Well, as a teacher, I want to get back to um, stories. Uh, like I said, I love stories. I think that we can find so much truth in stories um, mm. that we cannot find in nonfiction, you know? Um, mm. Fiction is so labeling, it's so divisive, and um, it's important, but I think we can really get to the, the truth through fiction. Uh, so as a teacher, I want to become, I want to focus on literature, yeah. Um, I want to become a literature teacher, um, uh, but beyond teaching, there's more, right? So, like, my mind, my brain is the map, and my on my map it says um, I want to become an, a literature teacher so that I can share the gift of finding truth in fiction and through stories. Um, but then there's my heart that's saying is the map up, or it's asking the question, is the map upside down? Because I've always wanted to be a writer. So how much time, you, you know, you know do, do I invest in teaching um, before it's taking away from what I really want to do, which is to be an author, right? To write, create these stories, not just teach them. I want to create them. So there's a struggle, you know, there's always a struggle going on, but I accept that. And I believe that through teaching literature, well, it'll give me more practice and exposure to hopefully achieving that, that dream. But Alan, you said earlier, is my brain tricking me um, to thinking this and that? Um, and am I going to be happy? I feel the same way. Um, and the brain can be tricking, right? Um, but your heart will tell you in time. It will tell you, oh, okay, this, I was reading the map wrong. Okay, we yeah. gotta take that next bend. And that's okay, that's okay. Cause everything you do from this point to that point is gonna grow you for sure. Absolutely. Sorry, that was kind of a long tangent. Nah, but yeah, that's good. 10 years, I wanna be, I wanna create stories that help other people. Okay, like so. for a, a form of not, I want to entertain them, right? Because as a teacher, we want our students to have fun in the process of education. That's we need to have fun, like you said earlier. Enjoy what we're doing. But then there's something more to it. How do I give back to my community, to my society, to the world? And that is yeah. something I want to do through writing. Hopefully, I can do something to share and help. That's, um, that's true passion is to help people. I think. I think I do. You know think that's what it is but we have to work this is the problem i wish i was i always say i wish i won the lottery and i was a millionaire because uh, then i could do what i want to do but would i do what i wanted to do with the money that's, that's a big problem big question yeah yeah probably wouldn't i probably I think that actually would 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 pollute everything would corrupt everything but i want to i want to ask uh john so in in your spare time in your free time whenever you have a spare moment do you find yourself writing do you actually pursue your, your passion? In a short answer, no. <laughs> no that's that's <laughs> my problem. <laughs> I'm still collecting eggs, man. I'm still collecting eggs. Mm. Uh, 
I do from time to time. I, I, I do. I write for my students. So we'll, we'll like with the new vocabulary, I'll create these little short stories and then I'll have synonyms that they have to replace uh, with the vocabulary words, but I'll write the story myself. I, I used to just use all the textbooks stuff, but I, it gets boring, right? For not just for me, but for the students. They don't want to look at that textbook. So I do write, but Alan, to be honest, not in the capacity that I should, not even close, not even close, because I have time to write. I always say I don't have enough time, but it's about baby steps, right? I tell my students, just study 10 minutes a day. That's it. 10 minutes a day keeps bad grades away. It's the same with my writing. I should be writing 10 minutes a day, even five, five minutes every single day, because it's about bank deposits, right? Steve, I think I gave you this analogy once, but it's, it's the saving. Every penny counts. Every five minutes of writing counts. And I, listening to my heart, I know that I am ignoring my true passion. Emulation. And thanks for, thanks for uh, letting me look at myself <laughs> in my I'm joking, Alan. No, thank you. Like, it just reminds me, no, I'm not doing what I want to do. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel the same in myself. Mm. But also, like, there's, it's, it's not just I'm not doing what I want to do. It's, it's like you have a full-time job that's quite taxing on your energy. You have a family that requires your energy. You, you, we need downtime, whether it's watching shitty Netflix or anything else, as a way of maintaining our sanity, right? And there's there's these i the, the the analogy that i was told when i was young and i've never forgotten it is that every day you've got a, a cup of water and that cup of water represents the amount of energy when you're young that cup of water is pretty big right you can but what you know you have to choose carefully which plants you're going to water and you can't water them all um so it's it's something that you really have to you know it's 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 not so i, I want to be really clear my argument is it's not laziness it's a distribution of energy and habits uh, and processes and time that is really the precious because I haven't got the time to do the shit that I want to do. Um, but the other the other thing that I see as well is is the time and the energy. But it's you know a lot of times in my circle of friends from back at at home in Australia is that I feel like people are in their comfort zone and they've never really started to think about what they want to do. And they've never really asked themselves that question. Like you're in a job, John, where, you know, the natural, it's very organic. You're in, you're in arts, literature, you know, teaching English. You're surrounded by language. You're in a job that's creativity. You know, it's, it's, it's founded in creativity, pedagogy. For you to naturally transition, everything that you're doing now is kind of supporting that process of growth. And it'd be very organic to invest more time into that and it will flourish, right? Um but a lot of people don't even ask that question of like, what, what do I really want to do? And I feel like the greatest sadness is like looking at people. And I, I, I feel like they are like, to use this metaphor, a seed that has never been planted. Um, and you want to just grab that person and fucking throw them in the ground, put them in the seed and say, grow, you know, do something for yourself. But they've never um, given themselves the opportunity to, to grow because they've never asked that question. What do I really want to do? What am I really passionate about? How can I contribute it to this world? Um, how can I do something that's meaningful for me? And I just feel it's so sad when I talk I to like, people. I feel like a better metaphor would be more like most people are like a bonsai tree being 
being pruned by the government to, to conform whichever way that the government decides them to be pruned. Not I have being a allowed of the house, to, actually. Not being able to sort of like branch off in any direction that you choose to, 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 to go towards the sun or go towards whatever, you know, source of light or love or desire you have. Well, I'm glad that both metaphors that are about growth and plants, you know, like I, mm. I chose the seed because it's like, it's, it's like they're dead from the inside. Maybe it's a bit harsher mm. and they've never grown. Your, your mm. analogy was just as powerful because it's like maybe they've started, but it's, it's actually in a way worse because their creativity is being cut off stifled hindered you know and, and and suffocated so like a bonsai is like instead of growing into a big beautiful tree it becomes like this very miniature version of itself it's very limited and that's even worse <laughs> because maybe they've got a taste of it and then they haven't been able to grow so i think they're both they're, they're both effective but um i don't know like do you guys see that like i feel that in this world like do you guys feel that yeah go john can I play the devil's advocate for a minute? Please. Hopefully. Hope so. Hope so. Great. So, Stephen, I feel you. Um, I understand. We've had this a conversation similar to this before. And, you know, some of us are leaders. Some of us like to be on the outside of the herd. But is it possible, you guys, that these bonsai trees and these seeds are exactly what they should be? Is it possible that they want to be pruned and cut and shaped? Do they want to be led? Is it more comfortable? Is it easier to be led and guided and constricted? Or is it, I mean, is that always bad to be the pruned bonsai tree? Is it always bad to be stuck in one place? Um, I don't know. For me, absolutely. For you guys, Absolutely. I know. But I think that there needs to be a little bit of, because I have these friends too, Stephen. I have these friends that are in these jobs and they've been doing them for 20 years and they, they talk about <sighs> every day. It's that same grudge working for the man. I hate the office, the white lights, um, you know, and, and some people don't complain. Some people like that. That's enough for them. You know, so I just I just want to be sensitive towards those people. Um, it's not for me. It is not for me. I cannot be led. Um, I must lead. That's who I am. And that's who you guys are. Um, but, I, you know, as a my philosophy is that we're all equal, you know, and that some of us have different jobs we have to do. And we are one herd that work together and together we are protected, but there's going to be the flankers and that's us. Okay. We are the ones that look outside and see the dangers that are lurking, right? They're outside of the and we help guide these other people. So some people, I guess all I'm saying want to be led. They want to be protected. They want their lives to be pruned. Whereas others, it's destructive if they have to fill that role. Others need to stray. Others need to find their own way. But it isn't that, that a lot like, it feels like a lot like a wolf that's been domesticated and become a dog. You know, like the passion and the fire has been stumped out of them. It's been literally stamped out of their out of their nature. Like, I don't know, like look at your your doctor example. Like, and I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone. And I'm not saying that um that I think people that are, are, are doing what they're told to do are any less, any less. 
But I feel like there's a lot of deep rooted unhappiness that makes me say that uh, there is a clear distinct, um, you can distinguish between the, the doctor that's chosen to be a doctor because they want to help people and be altruistic and the doctor that's being told by his parents that you should be a doctor. And I feel like the person that is told to be a doctor and just acquiesces ha has somehow not, yes, they've, com they've conformed and they're a good citizen and they're a good person, but I feel like the real betrayal is not to me, it's not to society, it's not to their parents, it's to themselves. And I, I don't know, I don't know if people can don't have that drive and they they just it's not really a big deal and they're happy to be a doctor because that's what they're told to do. Maybe they are in lots of ways, uh, they can be coerced, but maybe it's kind of like it's they haven't got the 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 passion or the the will to fight uh and and rebel and it's been stamped out of them. Because I feel like I've seen that. I feel like and I know people, I feel like, I know, and I could be wrong because it's my interpretation, my bias, my subjectivity that's being processed, it's being projected onto them. But I feel like I'm like, your parents have crushed you, man. Like they've been doing it for so long. You don't even know how to, to speak your mind. You know, you are just a, you are just a copy of them. And it, it hurts me to see people like that, especially my friends. Um, but I feel like, it's, it's, it's maybe that they, they had a gentler spirit and that, you know, and, and it makes me really angry and sad to say that, you know, in society, do we need everyone to conform and be having these jobs? And if we had everyone following their dreams, society wouldn't work. Bullshit. I think that if people really followed their dreams, we would have way, way like people that follow their dreams, listen to their emotions and, and wanted to experience being an actor or a, 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 a whatever a ballerina you know, these people would become brilliant contributions to our society that have so many gifts unlocked to be able to give society. And they're not unlocked because they're being crushed. That's what I feel. That's what I'm really passionate about. I do see the other side, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel that, um, like, I feel like that when we speak about these people, the drudgery of going to the office and they say, oh, you know, working for 20 years and going to get my payout. I'm going to retire. You know, then I'm going to live. I'm just like my heart breaks for these people. I'm like, what you, when are you going to live when you're 45, when you're 50, youth is gone. You know, you've, you've, you've sold 30 years of your life to, to have this pension now. And then that's it. You know, you've, you've, you've tended 30 years of growth being who you really are. You've given 30 years of your, your, the greatest thing that you have, which is your experiences and your ability to live, you've given it, you've sold it to someone, it's not coming back. But I don't know, that's just how I feel. And I'm really passionate about that. But, you know, yeah, no well, disrespect to, say, to other, yeah, yeah, no disrespect to anyone I mean, that's done that grind, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're talking, I guess, I was playing the devil's advocate, um, but, and I do believe some of like what I said, but we're talking about different people. So you're right. Uh, it's the people that don't listen to their heart. Okay, so these people, um, yeah, they're crushed. What I was talking about is that they're people that are happy to be led. They, that's yeah. just common. They just accept it. But yeah, but do those people that are happy to be led, do they have their spirit crushed out of them? Or do you think they're just happy to accept social expectations and normalities? No, I think they're happy to accept it. Okay. So the people like your friends and some of my friends that we're talking about, the people that are crushed, now that's, that is heartbreaking. 
But no, I truly believe that there are people that want to be led. They want to be pruned. They don't want it to do it themselves. Back to the wolf, right? The wolf isn't always happier than the domesticated dog. That's a fact. Because when, when, the, when the house, the domesticated dog gets fleas, okay, its owner comes and gets rid of those fleas. His dinner's ready every day. Boom, set on the table. It's just like being married to the right woman, right? Dinner's waiting for you all the time. Hey, that wolf, there are cold, cold, hungry, hungry nights. And uh, that domesticated dog might be depressed sometimes. I've seen them. They do look depressed. But they've made an exchange for that. Every day, dinner's ready. Oh, I got a, my nails are too long. Mommy. Clip, clip, right? So some of us, so we're talking about different people. The people that are being crushed, I'm heartbroken. I am too. And how do we help those people? Well, that's probably a discussion for a different time. But we do have to, I do truly believe there are people that want to be domesticated house dogs. <laughs> they want to be. Yeah, that's a great, it's a, that's a great argument. And I think you, you took my uh, metaphor or you, and you, you, you gave a, a great other side, which I think is very useful. And to, to you know, to, to answer your question, like I'm hoping that people listen to this and the, how do we help those people? People listen to this and give them that idea of, you know, like we're three 40 year old men here that have thought about this for a lot. And this has deeply impacted the way that I live. You know, I'm hoping that people can listen to this and, and say, okay, well, damn, that makes a bit of sense. Maybe I should like listen to a bit more of me and, and understand how these pushes and pulls are affecting me and, and, and taking, allowing people to see that it's not always like, it's not always them. People feel like they're getting, they're being suffocated by their parents or society. I don't know what to do. Like they don't have that clarity that you guys have got, right? You, you can, you know, us as growing men can say, well, what do you want? Go for what you want. Choose it. Pick your identity. Kind of, when you're right. I kind of see it as like a mental illness. I feel like we have a mental illness because we're like, we're the outsiders here. And every, everyone else, they're normal, you know, because there's this world out there which has been designed and created all specifically. And for our is in, the, in the matrix. It's, 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 it's all made for, for, our, for our pleasure. You know, everything out there is uh, a solution for a problem which has been found by someone. And so now we, we drive cars, we've got air conditioning, we've got hot water running, everything we possibly need any kind of food, doctors and everything. And, um, you know, why, why shouldn't we just sort of, you know, just mold, in, mold into the, the fold and just, just do the status quo? That, just, that, that does sound like the, you know, the easiest, you know, most fulfilling thing to do. But something in our head has convinced us that, you know, there's something better, there's something further, there's a greater goal, Plato's, Plato's cave and, you know, we, we want to we want to be you know, this ego thing maybe drives us to think, you know, we're better than that, which is, I don't know if that's supercilious or not. I love well, I, I, I just love that. I love it. Do are we the ones with the mental illness? <laughs> mm. uh, you know, to, <laughs> you know, it's it's possible. But uh, I think that a lot of the great people uh, that have changed the world they had that same mental illness, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you think, uh, well, I'm not going to touch on real prophets, but there's, there's this movie I watched, a documentary called The Jesus Man. And he, everybody thinks he's mental ill, mentally ill, 
or Neil Donald Walsh, right? He like, there's a lot of these people that consider themselves to be mentally ill. Um, and uh, the Jesus man's an amazing story. So it's just this guy who assumes the role, but he does it to an extent where he actually starts impacting the United States. He just walks and helps people. He goes, it, you guys can look it up for yourself. Yeah, I don't think it's a religious uh, movie. So if anybody's worried about that, no, it's about this concept of what is mental illness and what, where can it take us? How can it be useful? So sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but I just loved Alan's perspective on, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what about us? You know, maybe we're the ones in the wrong and maybe we are, but I think we're happier in our wrongness, but we're not. I don't think that any one is right. Anyone's really wrong. I think that what you feel in your heart, you need to do. But Alan, I, I have to take my hat off to you. I love that one. I just, it's all relative. Devil's advocate again. <laughs> that's good stuff just had to sort of change the the direction of the of the the, the discourse yeah you know, Steve, how do you feel about that <laughs> well you know in society like these type of conversations like 30 years ago people would consider you to be totally mental because that you're just like what the fuck is wrong with you you have everything in society like you know you if you're born in a rich country and, you know, you have uh, options to, you know, get the white picket fence and the, achieve the great Australian, American, Canadian, whatever dream, insert rich country right there in the brackets, then, you know, um, rejecting that seems abs absurd, right? But I think society is, and the zeitgeist is evolving where before it was about jobs, status and stability. And now these, like these ideas of um, chasing your dreams and your vocation, like, I think they're very new things. I think there's, it's a difference between, oh, chase your dream and be an accountant, right? Or chase your dream and be, you know, your parents, you're supporting you to be an actor, for example, and saying, you know what, Alan, if you want to be an actor, you're probably going to suffer. It's probably going to be suck. And you'll live under a bridge in Paris and smoke cigarettes with homeless people and have to busk and do whatever else. But if that's where your heart is, go for it. Like that conversation I don't think would have happened very often 40 years ago. Mm. Right. So I think the zeitgeist has changed. So I think, you know, maybe, maybe society is kind of recognizing our madness, so to speak. And maybe that, you know, where it's, it's slowly, slowly being more considerative of our madness and um, those that um, maybe don't fit in as, as eloquently as others. Uh, because quite frankly, when I was, talking about this shit to my parents, you know, 20 years ago, uh, they thought I was crazy. You know, like I was definitely, the, I still am the black sheep of my family. Like I come from a very, you know, Australian, uh, Australian Maltese community. They have a map of success and it's a very effective map of success. Yeah. And it's, 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 it, it's very, it works. It's, it's, um, and it's when you decide to reject that, then you consider to be, um, an anomaly you consider to be there's something wrong with you right so but you know um i don't know it's so like it's i guess the cultural conditioning is is the cultural conditioning of our time is it tolerant you know to others that want to be of a different religion or want to have a different ideology it's like is it like cuba where it's like you're either with us 
You know, it's them versus us, right? You're either with mm. us or against us. There's nothing in between. There's no tolerance. Mm. You know, it's you're with us or against us. It's either our ideology or fucking nothing, right? So here's, yeah. a point. here's a point. Here's a point. You're talking about chasing your passion and chasing your dreams and things like that. And you said you could end up smoking cigarettes under a bridge in France kind of thing like that. So, uh, you know, if, if you chase your passion, there's a high percentage that you're not going to achieve that. It's only few, few and far between are actually going to achieve that. That's why, you know, the status quo, go, go through school, go through university, become the accountant, become, you know, the guaranteed job that you're going to gonna get, which is going to, you know, see you through life, keep you affluent or, you know, well off. So I think you have to keep in mind, yeah, chase your passion, but also be aware that, you know, you may not succeed to an, uh, a, a level where you can sustain that passion as a vocation yeah or so there's definitely maybe find, 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 a, find, find a middle ground between where almost where john's at you know being being a, a teacher who teaches writing who wants to write and find some middle ground between there where he's he's in that field already but maybe he hasn't quite reached that level yet but he's still got the potential he'll always have that potential and the more he does it like charles bukowski or whatever he might get there eventually you know through time is I, I think again, you know, don't, don't worry about the the money or the, the rewards and the payoffs. It's just if you enjoy doing it, just do it. You know. Yeah, but I think that's a great point. Is that parents would discourage you from becoming an actor or a poet or a writer because there's a great, there's a high amount of risk and there's a very low percentage of of success. So you know, but your kind of argument as well is kind of there is an element of practicality. Like you know, if if you've got a mortgage to pay and a and a child and a wife. We can't go and live under a bridge and be a bohemian because there's bills to pay. So there needs to be an element of pragmatism, realism, uh, and 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 being on you know as your responsibility as to a, as a citizen of a country and your you know everybody has like a certain amount of money on their head they need just to exist you know and the more debt and responsibility we have higher that number is right so there's definitely an element of of pragmatism there and maybe it means that you know you or anyone else has to compromise in the sense of okay my passion is playing guitar but how about if i work you know eight or two three or four days a week and then i can gig three days a week i can get you know uh, music lessons i can get spanish lessons as well and i can i can do the things for me but at the same time i still have you know i'm still meeting my obligations because I don't think anyone has the freedom to do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. Like no one has that unless you're rich and you, you know, win the lottery. And I think if you have that, I think the game's corrupted, you know, it's kind of like, what do you strive for? You know? And, and it's, yeah, it can be, it, maybe it's just personal growth, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's that, that could, that could corrupt the, the balance of the scales. Maybe it doesn't, I don't know. Maybe I need to think about it more, but, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that idea of pragmatism, Alan, in the sense of balancing responsibilities and fighting for what you want, but still being able to, to find a way to contribute in a way that's, you know, valuable? I'd rather, I'd rather hear John's perspective. Okay. Hmm. Well, um, back to, I guess, the theme of the, the show, uh, the, the podcast, uh, hmm. Finding Passion, and then to uh, what Stephen said, what do you tell a student um, or anyone who wants to pursue uh, passion or wants direction in what they should do in their life? I think that it is 
we've come to something. And it's the acceptance that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to work harder than others. And you're going to have to feed the mouths that depend on you. You're going to have to feed yourself so that you're not consuming off of others. So you're not riding the coattails. Because people only like that for so long. And then they get, they get sick of it. Even your own parents, you know, so I think that we have to work, we have to contribute uh, in many times, and maybe for extended periods of time, we're going to have to do things we don't want to do. That is what should drive us closer and further and faster towards our passions. But we're going to have to work, we're going to have to do two things at once. Because like Stephen said, if you're rich, the money corrupts. Yeah, when you're rich, you have so much to lose. You think you got all that free time? No, you got to guard your wealth. You got to guard that. You got to reinvest it. You got to do this. You got to meet with people. You got to, you know, they have a busy life too. Um, so I think to get to your passion, we all have to accept that we're going to have to do things we don't want to do, which includes sometimes backbreaking work, sometimes drudgery, but um, uh, you got to choose, you know, what do we do with that little time that we have left? How do we get to that passion? But one thing for sure is that we do have to contribute to ourselves and to our communities. We have to, or else we're just freeloaders. Uh, so to tell that student, it's going to be hard work, but it's possible with sustained effort and acceptance. And uh, don't let the passion die. Just know that it might take longer than you wanted it to. And you're going to have to do something you don't want to along the way. I've got a friend in um, Bogota and he's Bogota, Colombia. And he's a, he wants to be, he's an actor actually. He doesn't want to be an actor. He is an actor. Um, and he's from the United States and he's about 47 years old and he does part-time acting gigs and he's hoping to, let's say, make it in inverted commas. He wants to be super successful and he makes commercials. He's in series um, and he's pretty well known in, in Colombia. But he has to teach English. Um, he's got his own little English teaching gig on the side. And that keeps him afloat. He lives a very, very humble life in Colombia. Like he could make a lot more money back in the States um, teaching. And, um, you know, he's living a humble life. But it, it's he's, this balance that he's, he's accrued, it, it motivates him. And he does, he's, he's, writing a, he's writing a script. He's written a few children's books. He's got a really tough life. Like I look at his life and I'm like, bro, you are living like a Colombian in lots of ways. Like you are living tough, right? But he's he's motivated, he's determined, and he's disciplined. And he he was in the Peace Corps, so he's used to a, a little bit of hardship. Um, and he's he's very focused. Uh, but I don't know, like if I had a kid, which I do, you know, like I don't know if I want to encourage that lifestyle but at the same time i have a lot of respect for him because he's created his own life the good and the bad and the ugly and um i think he's even sacrificed not having a family to be able to chase that dream because he's he's mentioned that having a wife and having children you know, requires money requires stability requires energy wow. lots of time yep so he's like i don't think i could ever have a a wife until like i made it and that might never happen i don't know i i think it's, it's that's maybe it's an extreme example but i i definitely feel a lot of respect for this guy and i have i see that he's got a lot of integrity and i think that trumps 
a lot of what um, I think that trumps most things. I would I would I would vote for I would advocate for integrity above other things. Mm. Uh, that's a great example. I think. I think. I think it comes back down to um, you know the, the the passion for what you want, but it's the passion for what you do. Is this is more what what it's about? I think. You know, be Absolutely. passionate about what you're doing. You know, I think. I don't know. I, I don't like to use, you know, the the power of now concept being present kind of thing. But I think in, in this sort of case, I think it's very important, you know, to be to be uh, content with what you're doing in, in the moment. So don't, don't you know, keep, keep your eye on the future and maybe have an idea of what you would expect to sort of achieve by your actions today. But make sure that you're actually enjoying the process, which will get you there one day. Because even yeah. when you get there one day, that, that you still got to do the same old shit every fucking day after that as well, too. And I feel like that's another affliction that we all suffer from. Your brain telling us that we need to do something else. Um, you know, it's going to be better in the future. You know, when I do this, I'm going to have this. And mm. I, I have to I have to stop myself from feeling that uh, You know, quite often where I think, oh, you know, I'm going to have this much teaching experience. And then after that, I'm going to do this and it's going to be better. Mm. It's like, just no, just this just problem, you know. There's this problem where yeah. we think there's a, there's, there's a goal. We've made it, you know. It, it, you know, in ten years' time, I will have I will have made it, and I'm done. And that's not how it works. We're always in flux. There is there's no end result. But it's it's a real divine dichotomy. This this beautiful dance between being in your comfort zone, and then you know, and appreciating where you are in the moment, but also um, thinking about how that can accumulate and flourish into something else at the same time. It's really difficult to do that and be at peace, mm. I think. Do you do you feel like that, John? Do you feel like, you know, where you are now, it's like I'm doing this and it's okay, but um, in the future I want this or I want to be somewhere else. And it's kind of like sometimes you, you shift between these two realities, the current present and the, and the future version of yourself or the future um, situation that, that you think about your, yourself being in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my whole life I've done that, you know. Um, but <laughs> I think that uh, the present is all that truly exists. But we do need to think about the future because that too will be the present. So how, how, how can we be happy in the now? Like what can we do right now to, to, to achieve this thing in the future? But you got to enjoy the journey. I think it's the most important it's the most important. It's the only thing that really exists, isn't it? Isn't it? Is the is what's we're feeling right now. So there has to be balance. I have to think there has to be acceptance um, of the situation that we're all in. Um, but I think you should always find joy along the way. I think that's more important than the final goal. However, if there isn't joy in that future because you never chased that goal. Well, we got to be mindful of that, right? We got to, we got to, we got to strive to be who we want to be, what we want to be. But we have to enjoy this moment now. So, um, if if anyone's not, I would suggest making a change as soon as possible. Um, take the leap um, to make sure you're happy in this moment. And I've been lucky. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. I quit my electrician job. That was my last good job. And I'll tell you what. I could retire with a six-digit retirement, um, maybe not six digits, but close to it, retirement in 20 years from today. 
I could have that. Okay, that would be a pretty comfortable late life. Very comfortable. Um, but I, my, my, uh, my wiring, my makeup tells me not to. And now today I am enjoying what I do. And I see value in what I do every single day, even the hard days. And am I reaching towards that possible writing a book that can impact people for the betterment? Yes, I'm, I'm doing, my job allows me to be surrounded with these opportunities to, to, to um, you know, develop my craft and to help other people along the way reach their goals. So I'm a very lucky person. I have to, I have to say that. So yes, I don't know if I, if I actually answered your question. I'm glad that you can admit that you're lucky. It's just something to be, to be great, uh, have gratitude for everything. I think it's a very important thing to, to be grateful for everything that we have. But to chuck, chuck one thing in there, you know, we're talking about um, our passion and um, where we want to end up in life and if we're going to be successful and all these kinds of things. Uh, my, my favorite composer, I love classical music, is Bach, Johannes Bach, whatever his name is, Sebastian Bach. And, uh, you know, to me, he is the greatest musician of all time. He is God. But in his time, in c- contemporaneously, he wasn't very well known. He, he was just like this backwater uh, sort of organist that would compose songs for a, for a local church in, in Leipzig or whatever like that. No one knew who he was. Today, everyone knows who he is. He is God. Everyone kind of goes back to him and says, he is the greatest musician of all time. But in his time, he never got the recognition that he deserved. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of the, the dilemma that we kind of face, you know. We, we want that's- reward, we want validation, but we should also be just grateful we should validate ourselves i think is the greatest yeah that's a great example because i feel like do you only give your gifts to the world if you need validation or success mm. right mm. or do you give you you keep giving your gifts to the world even if no one gives a shit you that's know? what the problem is yeah let me ask like you guys about you know when you said the hard days john and is there an element of suffering in the process of this like in pain because i, I don't know if we can especially when you're growing or you're developing or when you're, you're doing something that you're determined to do, you know, and you and you have um, a clear motivation, you know, I think, do we need to be clear or it, about there's a, is there an element of suffering and pain while you're experiencing something that you want to do? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and Alan knows learning playing guitar, yeah, your fingers will blister. There'll be pain. There's always going to be pain. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're doing what you love for hours on end, there's going to be pain and uh, there's going to be hardships, right? There's those moments like writer's block, right? You spend all this time, your life trying to become a writer. And then you have this moment where you start to question and doubt your abilities. Like, oh my God, did I lose it? Was the well, did the well dry up, you know? Yeah. But but no, I think that, you know, these moments happen to me in teaching. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm still working for the man. I still am, right? I mean, I'm not free. But just like uh, Bach, you have to work within those confines. I don't know if you know this about Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach, but he, the the, the Arab nations were taken over. uh, The Moors were taken over parts of Europe. And a lot of Middle Eastern music is minor key. And so it was outlawed. It was outlawed. And 
Nobody else maybe could have done this, but here comes Buck and he creates this idea of relative, well, he discovered the relative uh, minors. So you, you can play the key, you can play A minor, but you're not, you're playing the key of C in the third mode. And so you can actually see, this is the confines. He wasn't allowed to be free, but within that he found a way to manipulate it. And he was playing minor keys. No, he wasn't. He was playing modes of major keys. And this is why Bach is so brilliant. Um, I love classical music too, Alan, and I got a, a minor close to it in uh, music. So I've studied Bach. Um, and that this is something that inspired me. And right now, it just re-inspired me. To work within our confines to create and to still find freedom within the strictures that we live in, right? I mean, that's, we got to work, we got to do things at times that we don't like, but we can find joy, we can find freedom, even within the confines of the matrix we're in. Very right. interesting. Scare you guys yes. away? Hello? No, that was a <laughs> solid example, yeah. solid example. That was great, that was great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's very relevant because, like, not all of us are, are that masterful to be able to, you know, compose that level of music with, within those restrictions. But, you know, what a powerful example of that, you know, you, you can still flower. Uh, there's a poem, Tupac Shakura, the rose that grew from concrete reminds me of that too, where, you know, with all the adversity, with all the, um, with all the social negativity, you know, still being able to flourish and become the best version of yourself and become a rose and, and grow. It's not an easy thing to do when there's not a lot of nourishment, you know, when the, when the, concrete is your nourishment um but if you can achieve that you've achieved great things and it's not about you know, about the money it's about it's just about becoming the growing into the your best version of yourself or, or producing the best stuff that you can produce yeah it's a great example giving it all that you got yeah and every um, day is is the, the olympiad and and being able I to kind of I kind of, um, I've said to you before, you know, like I've, I've been reading a lot about Socrates recently and, you know, he, um, he didn't charge a fee for, um, for, for his teachings, for his, what do you call it? His lessons that he would give his, his students. Uh, he, he never was paid for anything that he ever did. So the way he would survive, he said, or they said was he would, he would dance for dinner. So he'd, he'd teach his kids all day or whatever. And at the end of the day, he'd do a little dance and then, make himself look like an idiot and they, they'd feed him. So, you know, I look at myself, is that the worst I could possibly do? You know, that, that can't be too bad. No, definitely not. But I feel like, you know, like Socrates, you're, you're, you're pulled in the direction of academia, you know, really like, like music, um, learning is, is your passion. Surely you could find something that would, would you'd be able to kind of, be able to meet your needs as a human and be able to, you know, nurture those abilities and that, that love of learning because um, learning something you've been doing the last 20 years on your own primarily, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like I know you take um, university courses. I know you study at the moment. I think you mentioned that you're studying ethics. Um, but if you're, you have a very clear, obvious love of learning, you know, I'm surely there are other, like there are ways of being able to contribute with that, with that gift with that passion but this kind of comes back to the topic that we're talking about it's like finding your passion 
And I have a problem with, as I said, I think I think it was the Schopenhauer quote, you know, it's like we, we, we can't create our own desires. And I feel like I want to create my own desire, you know. You can want what, what is it? You can will what you want, but you can't want what you will or vice versa kind of thing. You can't create the options that you have. And I feel like I want to create my own destiny, which is kind of impossible, you know. You, 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 you like history, Alan. You like, you like learning about things. Become a teacher. Well, I don't like one plus one equals two, you know. I want to yeah. take a third part. I want to take a third part, you know. And I'm not telling you you should be a teacher. You know, I'm telling you no, that. Within, that. Yeah, well, obviously within the matrix, there's something that maybe caused you. But I don't know. I would, I would probably argue against that because, like, it's kind of, it's kind of determined. It's, it's determinism. What about this? You know, with, with my journey within teaching, it's like I, I love travel. I wanted to live overseas, and a friend of mine said to me, Steve, what happens if you become a teacher? And you don't like it. I said. Man, I am gonna. I'm gonna like it whether I like it or not. <laughs> I'm gonna make it my passion whether I like well, it. Well, anyone, anyone, anyone can do that, can't they? I don't know. Like that's that's what I'm saying is like you know how much of how much of our stories are us telling our stories and justifying what we're what we're doing and how mm. we're living, right? And I think that's mm. fine. You know, you tell yourself a story and you you sell it to yourself and then you believe it. You tell it, say it enough, you believe it, and you you embody that. You know, it's is it is it bullshit? Well. Maybe, you know, it doesn't matter on the grand scheme of things. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, depending on how you look at life, right? Your philosophy, if you're a nihilist or whatever, nihilist or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, I, I don't know. I think you can create your own reality. I think you can create your own will what you want, if you want. I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but I think you can tell yourself. I don't know how deep it goes, though, you know, like, yeah, you know, underneath the layers, that's the problem. You know, like you, you really have to have your your foundation, you know, again, going back to your identity and your ethical compass. They have to be aligned. Otherwise, maybe they are just layers of 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 stories that we tell ourselves. Mm. I don't know. Something to think about. I've got this problem with conformity. I don't want to sort of fit into the same basket, the same square, the same circle that everyone else fits into. And we're kind of lucky today because of multimedia, the internet, uh, globalization, we have more options and we have more ways of, um, you know, bringing two things together to create something original. So it's, you know, we're, we're at the peak of civilization. So we have much more options than anyone else has ever had in the past. So, you know, it's kind of where my mind's at at the moment. Well, you can, you can dream as big as you want to dream, right? You can, mm. that, that's, that's what I would, would say is like, you can be, you can aim to be a, a YouTuber. You can aim to be, you can aim to be whatever you want. Like you find a way to make it successful. Uh, you know, like it's, I guess it's just as, you know, you're limited by, you're only really limited by, okay, maybe the responsibilities that we have, even those probably are, are, are mit mitigable or like, um, you're able to, to mitigate that to a, to a degree. And you can probably, um, you know, like at one point in my life, I had a brand new car and I was renting a house and I had a brand new, I had a motorbike as well, you know, and got out of debt pretty quickly, you know, selling those assets. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you think about that, John? Like, can you just aim for whatever you want? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, um, there, there, again, there needs to be that balance for sure, right? Um, uh, there needs to be a, a level of uh, humility and acceptance that things might not go your way. 
um, or our destiny might not be reached or our destination might not be reached. And that's why I, I keep saying it's the journey, you know, it's the steps on, on to the peak of the mountain, right? We're all hiking the mountain to get to the view, to see the vista, right? That's, that's the goal, uh, to, to be higher than anyone, to, to touch the sky. But hiking a mountain is extremely hard work. So if you're not enjoying the flowers and the, the way that the, the, the earth changes as elevation increases, right? This hard work, grudging, all along the way, there are things that can truly inspire and be enjoyed. I mean, like I've hiked many mountains and man, it's grueling, it's hard work, it's, you know, but I keep doing it because on the way, it's, you don't even really, the view becomes less important. Uh, the more hiking you do, uh, I believe that the view is still important, but it becomes less important. I think that hikers start, I mean, because I hike the same mountain many times. It's not about the view anymore. It's about the journey. It's the things that you see along the way um, that you witness, the smells, the sensations, you know? Um, so, you know, uh, I think that we, I think that a lot of us need to have a destiny. We need to have this driving, this motivator uh, to keep that energy and that fire going to get through the journey itself. But the journey itself is the longest part of your life. It takes four or five it's hours. Yeah, it is your life, and the, the view is the end of that, right? So if we're not enjoying that, the process, the, the journey, the, the life to get to that destination, then it is just devastating for people that can think, um, can ask themselves the question, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? It's devastating for those people. So yeah, um, I do think we need to have a destiny, a destination and to, to reach for that goal. Um, but I can't repeat it enough, the importance of making sure you can enjoy the the journey itself, because there's so much there. Um, and you might have to take a pay cut to do it. Lord knows I did. Uh, so um, I, I hope I answered your question, uh, Stephen. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to say one more thing to Alan, though. There was, I think you earlier, I hope I'm not wrong, but you were saying something about Destiny and like investing the time and learning specific things because we want to reach a certain goal, right? Like uh, we want to learn to achieve something, right? We, we, we the process of learning is to to reach a goal of some sort. And uh, while while that's very true um, as an educator, John Dewey himself thought of uh, education is a continuity of experiences throughout life. So there's no end point. There is no destination actually. Um, it is a continuum that continues. Uh, so um, yeah, I just think you got to just keep plugging along until we drop, <laughs> use this energy. But yeah, destiny does help us. It, it, it gives us the energy to keep persevering. Mm. Totally agree. It's like learning a language. You know, people, when you, when you first start learning a language, you think, you know, give me a couple of years, I'll be native, I'll, I'll be fluent, then I can communicate with anyone. And then when you start learning, 
when you start becoming fluent, you realize, hang on, there's another level beyond fluent. There's several levels of fluent, then there's native, and then there's beyond native, there's academic levels, and then even beyond then, you, you'll, you'll never you'll never stop learning, especially if you learn English, because there's just so many, so many words to learn. You'll never learn them all. So it's it's a, a journey which will never end. So as you said, you've got to enjoy enjoy the, the journey. Make it your passion and just 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 keep going with it. But something I appreciated from what you said at the beginning of our conversation was tying it all back to community. I think I think a lot of the things that we do, you know, we're we're social creatures. So I think everything we do, we should kind of sort of tie it in to society and always try and give back to the community that we sort of come from. And I think that sort of maybe gives gives someone more meaning or you know purpose. And that sort of helps sort of justify any particular course that you take at the same time. Pretty strong yeah, on that opinion. Well, yeah, absolutely. I agree in many ways. I, uh, I, I'm forgetting who it is right now. Maybe, Stephen, I can jog your memory and you can recall who this was. But I'm forgetting the steps even. But there's different levels of success in life, right? And one is to become... Uh, financially secure. One is to become, uh, what do you call it? Um, well, yeah, you're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of yeah. needs. Yeah, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it all it, it climaxes or culminates to this giving back to the community, like absolute happiness or true happiness or something um, really is when we are able to reach that point of freedom where we can actually give back to our community because there's we are social it's within us and even with our egos dominatingly at the wheel most of our lives uh there comes a point where there's an empty there's a void in our in our soul in our heart and the only way to fill that void is through the giving providing yeah. giving back to others helping the herd uh, i hate to use that analogy right now the herd but the, the community, right? Our, our people, there's this innate spirituality, right? There's something that connects all of us. And though we are blind to it for much of our lives, there comes a point where that void is thunderous and you can't really ignore it. And if you choose to ignore it, well, I think that we, we roll over unhappy. And I think that if we can actually fill that void by giving back, we, we, we are contempt at the end dying of the light absolutely and i'd say it's part like you said part of our dna our social programming like i think we get our brains are rewarded with social connections it's part of our survival it's part of our connection loyalty human spirit all of that right and it's it's been part of our progress um and we do like there is something beautiful about contributing to the group and and doing things selflessly and and teachings are one of great ways where you're impacting, you're educating the youth, giving them the tools to be successful as, as adults and contribute in society. So like teaching, I think, is a very ancient form of doing that, where it's like giving the, the younger generation or the, the young, you're, prepare, you're preparing their minds to be, um, I guess, successful and to be uh, productive or, to, or to, to enlighten them, you know, to be successful within the community yeah and it's a great argument so i'm feeling like i'm feeling like we we really sussed out some good ideas here 
And I'm feeling like, you know, maybe due to time restraints for all of us, might be a good time to get close to wrapping up. So I'll just open up the floor and say any last comments that you want to say to our listeners or each other before I, I start recording. I like to bring that last topic that we're talking about back to the concept of uh, reciprocity, you know, as, as we've said once before, it's sort of like, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing. And it's kind of like within a community, it's, uh, it's almost synergistic, you know, one plus one equals three kind of thing. The more people out there that help each other out, the more we can create, the more we can sort of, you know, make a better society. But then again, on, on another topic, society has this kind of schism at the moment where we're kind of split into two factions of a dogmatic kind of a dilemma. It's us versus them. So we have to sort of break through that, but hopefully in the near future, we can, we can all get over that and have a utopia. Well, and something you've always said as well is, and being, being honest about it is that I'll help you and you help me and we'll both gain. And let's be honest mm. about what that is. And um, that way there's no, there's no hidden agenda. We're both benefiting. Let's be clear about it. I'm selfish, but I'm, I want to help you because I have empathy and respect and admire you as, as I do myself. I, I see I see in you myself. I figure we are the same thing. So I, I, I have hunger. I have needs, but so do you. So let's work together. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that money corrupts us so much, but that's a conversation for another time. Mm. Mm. That's my final thoughts anyway. I was just going to say the last thing is, yeah, is um, it's okay to be, I don't want to use the word selfish, but self-driven to pursue your own dreams as long as we don't step on the feet of others, as long as we don't forget the other, right? Because uh, it's okay to be a little bit selfish sometimes, to do things for you. That's okay. But you can never do that at the expense of, the other, the, 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 our family, our friends, the people we don't even know, right? You know, the Native Americans say, we're borrowing this land from our uh, next generations, right? So it's this idea of this is not ours. It belongs to those who are coming, though we don't know them. We don't know their names or who they are, but this is theirs too. So it's okay to Reap the soil or to, to, to reap what you sow and to build your own dreams and to pursue your own goals, but never, you know, I think that the ultimate destroyer of one's happiness is to wake up and realize that you neglected people around along the way. And the people whose lives that you passed through were negatively impacted through your actions. Uh, so I would say just avoid that at all costs. Make sure you're happy first. Because only you can make others happy when you're happy. But so make yourself happy first and then never forget the others that are here now, that were here before us, and that are coming still. Yeah. I, so I, I love that. I love that comment on borrowing the land from those that will come in the future. That's that's beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah. That's maybe gonna, I'll gonna stay, stay in my heart. Yeah. Maybe, our, maybe our Australian government that doesn't believe or do anything about climate change should climate change should perhaps consider those words. <laughs> yeah, that, that, should, that should be like the universal motto, the, the UN's motto, you know? Yeah, there, there's something about sustainability, whether it's climate change or not. It's just kind of like, mm. you know, you, you rape and plunder the land, you know, like think of others. It's not just yourself. Um, 
but I don't know. Like I really like the way I would finish this is just you got to be true to yourself. You got to listen to your. You'll listen to yourself and figure out what works for you. Figure out what you want to, what you want to experience, what drives you, what you're really passionate about, and you got to do it at all costs. And even if you if you fail, and that's part failure is part of the process, and, and learn and grow from that. And then maybe as maybe as we said, we never you never get where you think you're going to go, but at least you live a life of integrity, and you've you've tried to be the the master of your own life, your own decisions, your own desires. And you've grown as far as that you can grow. And then after that, um, what may be and what shall come is what may be. And then at least you can put your head down in the pillow every, every day and say, I've given it my best. I've been true to myself. I've listened to who I am. And, uh, you know, as, and I'm cool with that. I'm content with that. So I don't think I'd say, I'd, I'd say, make sure you're doing something that you enjoy rather than aiming for a goal that you think you may enjoy one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that like, there's got to be a level of integrity and alignment with, with why you're doing that. You know, it's, it's, it's meaningful for you and not meaningful for someone else. And then that, I think that that goes hand in hand, right? If you're enjoying it, it's because you've chosen it, you've embraced it, not because my mom has told me that I should do it. Right. Or my, my, you know, or society, it's like, I find this meaningful because it gives me meaning and it's, it's in how you've structured it. Well, John, thank you for coming on to our podcast channel. It's been a pleasure having you here and, and uh, contributing. Hopefully, um, maybe yeah. we might be able to have you as a, a regular a regular guest if you uh, if you have the time to um, take time out of your day that you, when you should be writing poetry and, and yeah. short stories. And uh, you can contribute more often. It's very insightful. Like. Well, thank you guys for having me. And, uh, you know, this is food for my my poetry in writing uh-huh. that we exchange. Um, so no, it's been a pleasure and I would like to, yeah, I'd like to have discussions at minimal, even if it's not a podcast, just to do this regularly to change ideas and share our feelings. It's good mm-hmm. for the, it's good for the soul and hopefully other people can enjoy it.